0: You're listening to Daily Notes Presenting by Almost Sideways Daily Notes is back and we're talking about three films All celebrating anniversaries this year We're looking at a 1997 film, The Lost World: Jurassic Park A 2002 film, Far From Heaven And a 2007 revisit of a film called The Heartbreak Kid Let's dive in and discuss Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I drink your milkshake. If you only knew the power of God. You have my curiosity. Now you have my attention. This is how I went. Shall we begin? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversation about films haven't recorded a Daily Notes episode in a little bit. I actually had this week off. I uh, watched some movies. I should have recorded a, probably a couple podcasts, but again, my, I took a vacation, a uh, staycation here, and we got a lot of stuff done around the house. We're celebrating my wife's birthday. We got some good news. We uh, annou- we are officially announcing that uh, my wife and I are expecting our second child. So it's huge, huge news. Uh, but I wanted to kind of recharge my batteries from work because the summertime's coming up and I'm going to be doing a lot of work during the summer. And I watched some movies I wanted to watch, but there's a couple movies that I specifically wanted to do for this episode uh, because a couple things are happening. Um, obviously, I mentioned Far From Heaven. Far From Heaven was uh, one of those blind watches that I've been putting off to review and watch. But I know I spun the wheel for that film a long time ago, and I, I, I got to review that film here. So I'm really excited to talk about Far From Heaven with Julianne Moore. Conveniently enough, another Julianne Moore film will be reviewed today too, a 1997 film, and that is Steven Spielberg's The Lost World of Jurassic Park. We're diving back in the journey with Spielberg. I didn't really do too much last year with it, uh, with Daily Notes. Uh, and it's perfect timing because the Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic World Dominion is coming out in a few months I believe in July I kind of want to review all the other Jurassic Park movies I've currently already reviewed Jurassic Park the first film Uh, check the description box down below I'll leave a link to the YouTube link there so you can check that review out I did that with Loretto the Film Geeks podcast but also I want to look back at another movie that I don't recall too much, but I know I didn't really care for it. It's a 2007 film called The Heartbreak Kid. I was kind of scrolling through some stuff. I was like, oh, I, I remember watching that at one point. Don't know any – don't remember anything about it other than it's Vince, a Ben dealer uh, Malin Ackerman, Fairley Brothers film. So uh, not a – it should be an interesting conversation so three reviews today and just on the going forward plan on eventually getting a Jurassic World 3 review uh, Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom reviews leading up to uh, Dominion I really thought that I just really want to talk about those movies because I, I, I like Jurassic Park the franchise but and then we'll also do another uh, uh, spin of the wheel to see what the next blind spot is uh, anyway uh, so anyway uh, let's dive in to the lost world of Jurassic Park That's how it always starts, but then later there's running and then screaming. What the hell was that? Go. As fast as you can. I need you to send rescue immediately. Taking dinosaurs off this island Ah! is the worst idea in history of bad ideas. The Lost World of Jurassic Park is directed by Steven Spielberg, and it came out in 1997. It comes in in about an hour, 129 minutes, I should say. 129 minutes, just over two hours. It is actually currently streaming on HBO Max. The the original three films are streaming there, so definitely if you're interested, take a look there. Uh, This film stars Jeff Goldblum, who returns as Ian Malcolm, returning from the first film. The only original cast member returning, other than... uh, uh, John Hammond himself, Richard Attenborough, We also see Julianne Moore join the cast as Sarah Harding. Vince Vaughn as Nick Van Owen, and we got Peter Stormare shows up. We got uh, we got Arliss Howard, a bunch of other people, miscellaneous cast members here. But this uh, this film, uh, we we see our journey back to Jurassic Park, and. This film, for me, I, I I do remember actually seeing this in theater, but like I guess before I get too ahead of myself, let's jump into that plot synopsis because it's probably been some time But most people have seen this one. Uh, this film takes place four years after the original Jurassic Park genetically bred dinosaurs ran amok the multimillionaire John Hammond shocks chaos theorist Ian Malcolm by revealing that Hammond has been breeding more beasties at a secret location. Malcolm... His philanthropist, lady love, and wildlife photographer uh, join, and a wildlife photographer, I should say, join an expedition to document the lethal lizard's natural behavior in this action-packed thriller. Alright, so that's a weird description that Letterboxd had, but I guess my own words is that you have this other island where the, uh, John Hammond sends a group in to document these dinosaurs living in their natural habitat. However, this company InGen, who has since bought out John Hammond's shares in this corporation, this company is taking Dinosaurs from this new island and taking them, wanting to take them overseas to San Diego to make a theme park there. You're bringing the attractions to the people. You don't take them. And you don't have the people go to the, the the attractions. That's pretty much what the thinking is there. So, going into this rewatch here, I actually re- recalled watching this movie in theaters back in 1997 and I remembered enjoying my time with it. It's not Jurassic Park. The first one's an iconic film that's borderline top 100. It's probably one of the most entertaining films, the ones I rewatch every year and I have watched it this year as well and I absolutely love that film. I've actually picked up more and more things in that movie. It's one of my favorite Spielberg movies, definitely top 10 for me. But a fringe top 100 nonetheless. The Lost World Jurassic Park is one that I always have placed near the bottom of my franchise ranking. And that might be a surprise because I know people didn't really care for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom too much. But I kind of had a guilty pleasure. We'll talk about that film later. But The Lost World Jurassic Park always falls near the bottom of my ranking list. And I always remember not really caring about it too much. Because it's just the movie halfway through they go to San Diego and they kind of focus on one dinosaur. However, rewatching this time I actually found myself enjoying myself quite a bit. First off, seeing Ian Malcolm return as this, uh, this, this his iconic character that he brings, in. Jeff Goldblum is just um, amazing as Ian Malcolm, and I definitely want to see what he does in this new Jurassic, Jurassic World Dominion film. But this chaos theorist, theorist comes back on the island and to save his girlfriend Sarah Harding, and I, I feel like some of the relationship is kind of understood I wish Sarah Harding would maybe like appear in a different Jurassic park movie which we haven't seen her return or even uh nick van owen vince Vaughn's character return in any other films but i think the dynamic between the three they have good chemistry among each other and i i do like vince Vaughn. his character works this is like peak vince fawn here like swingers level uh you know maid i just watched maid so that's like a little later but you know seeing vince Vaughn in this fast, like, talking guy. I, I absolutely love Vince Vaughn in this film, too. But Julianne Moore, it's good. She's not, like, doing amazing amazing performance, but she is definitely a character that I kind of enjoy in this film. The, 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 the dynamic between these three characters are cool. What really makes this movie stand out for me that I really enjoy, there's two sequences here that are just amazing here. Um, I absolutely think the San Diego sequence with the Tyrannosaurus in San Diego... Terrorizing like cities, eating a dog, uh, going through a blockbuster video, knocking over the 76 ball. Uh, it, it's really an enjoyable. It's definitely a popcorn flake there that uh, Spielberg is just eating, like, it's like yep, yeah, this is what I can do, this is Spielberg at the top of his powers here, and it absolutely plays really well. Another scene I really like is when you see Engine coming in and taking, like, going through this this pack and this herd and taking off all these different, uh, these dinosaurs. I think that was a really pretty intense scene that's rather enjoyable, pretty action-packed, like, during the, breaks up some of the slowness of the nature. Also, the sequence where the two Tyrannosauruses are trying to go get their baby back because there is a plot line where this baby Tyrannosaurus Rex gets injured and Nick Van Owen wants to try to help and heal it, but actually um Sarah Harding and Nick Van Owen are trying to uh, repair the baby's leg and Ian Malcolm's like, This is not good. Uh, we're gonna be uh making somebody really mad. And it's really crazy to see that sequence and it's just really on the edge of my I'm on the edge of my seat watching it. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Things that don't really play well too much is that all the other side characters that you just do not have a care in the world for. Like there's this little girl at the very beginning of the movie that gets attacked by these compies, these little small dinosaurs. You don't really care because they just kind of glance over. Like, oh, somebody came across this island, but this little girl got hurt. But you don't – nothing – they don't – go back to that or anything really. You got Peter Stormare's character who is really mean to the same exact dinosaurs, that little girl gap, and that's how he goes out. Uh, you got this big game hunter there. He, he has a really cool look for this Jurassic Park world, but again, it, it he kind of just ends his storyline right before San Diego. You don't see what how he plays out. He just kind of like ends. So it would be kind of maybe cool to see him show up even though he won't ever show up in another movie, I don't think. Uh, The the guy who the main guy of Injin is just a little weasel and can't stand his character. So I guess the big the long of it is that a lot of the side characters are just really forgettable and maybe this nothing really pans out. I just really want to see the main group of Nick Van Owen, Sarah Harding, and Ian Malcolm on screen. And also there's another plot line here where Ian Malcolm has a daughter in this one, and there's a whole gymnast sequence where he she like knocks over this. knocks over this, this philosopher, this, this gymnast, uh, acrobatics that she does. And it's just one of those things that, uh, it's just kind of forgettable. I, I kind of like always forget about it. Uh, her character is Kelly, Kelly Curtis, Malcolm played by Vanessa Lee Chester. She hasn't been in a ton of things. I think lost world 17 again with the Zac Efron film. She's all that little princess, Harriet, the spy, where kind of her big Films didn't really play in too many things there, but uh, but that, I didn't really care for that storyline. I thought that was just kind of out of left field, and that it was it was whatever. But in the the long run of it, I kind of really enjoy the Lost World of Jurassic Park. I can't remember exactly what I had it rated on our website. So currently, I have the Lost World of Jurassic Park. I'm the only one that gave it a positive score of three stars out of four, and I will say that that is a very good rating for me i'm not going to change it. i'm not going to go down or above uh, more than that i think it's a very serviceable jurassic park film that is actually really good underneath the service and i think that it is worth a rewatch, especially on hbo max it is still near the bottom of the the series because i really just find the series and I have a really good time watching all the films. This is also a film that was nominated in 1987 for Best Visual Effects. And I thought they were uh, deserving. They are definitely really good practical and uh, CGI effects there that actually blend really well together. So definitely some cool stuff there. But that's my thoughts on The Lost World of Jurassic Park. Let's move into Far from, from Heaven. Far From Heaven. Feels like there's no one left in the world that I can talk to. Sometimes it's the people outside our world that can fight in best. So often we fail in that kind of love. The love that tells us to abandon our lives and plans, all for one brief touch of Venus. Going back 20 years now, we are looking at 2002's film, Far From Heaven, directed by Todd Haynes and stars Julianne Moore, Dennis Quaid, Dennis Hasbert, and Patricia Clarkson, as well as Viola Davis, appears in this movie too. And if you've never seen *Far From Heaven*, and I really didn't know what to expect to go into, I didn't watch the trailer, I didn't read the synopsis. I just kind of went into it, and I wanted to be swept away in this world. Because currently, this is uh, appears on two people's top 100 lists of all time. That is Todd and Zach's of the Almost Sideways podcast. So i did to take a look at that. But anyway, the uh, this Todd Haynes film. Uh, the synopsis here on Letterbox. It basically says. In the 1950s Connecticut, a housewife faces a marital crisis and a mounting racial tension in the outside world. I think that's a pretty good description of this film without getting into too much details. And... What I really liked about this film was the authenticity that Todd Haynes brought to this world. It definitely felt like an homage to 1950s filmmaking as well as other films I've seen in that era. It really plays off just like something that you would see from the 1950s. Julianne Moore is kind of amazing in this movie, it's completely uh, transcend- transcends a performance here. that is overlooked in 2002. I don't believe she got an Oscar nomination and I will double check as I'm talking currently. Uh, But What she she was able to do with this performance was give me something that I felt. She gave me these uh, conflicting thoughts and viewpoints that made my uh, mouth drop. Her performance here was one of my favorites from the early 2000s and I I liked a lot of movies. Actually, dang it, as I say that, she did get an actress, best, uh best actress nominee, nomination, I guess what I should say is that I, it's a bummer that she didn't win, I think that's the, the bigger snub, is that she didn't win, and we had Nicole Kidman for The Hours win, I believe, yes, Nicole Kidman won for The Hours, I have not seen The Hours, uh, so maybe that is, maybe I should be, and uh, shouldn't be, Tucking out my uh, my butt, but anyway, uh, Todd Haynes with this film also delivers something really amazing. He he's always a very authentic filmmaker. I really liked his film Carol. I think of this one, Carol and Far From Heaven, are the only two films I have currently seen. He's only done like seventeen movies, um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the only two that I have seen. Carol, I really liked. Really felt felt like an authentic film, but Far From Heaven was one of those ones that you just kind of get engrossed in it It, it, there's a lot of stuff that does happen but just it's very well paced it has an amazing score some beautiful cinematography that gets you swept into this world and you just kind of enjoy the ride that it takes you you feel the emotions that the characters are feeling especially with like the dennis quaid character and his his little crises that he goes through that Puts a pressure on Julianne Moore's character as well as their children. And their, Julianne Moore's relationship with uh, Dennis Haysbert's character, Raymond uh, Deegan, uh, their friendship uh, that does blossom into possibly something is really kind of significant and really just uh, innocent. I really liked their their chemistry in seeing uh, Dennis Haysbert here as not just the Allstate guy. I really liked. Uh, uh, seeing him having a, a meaty role there that I uh, definitely wanted to see um, some more of. One thing I didn't really care for too much is that Viola Davis is really underutilized at this point. Uh, she blows up later on in her career, of course, but watching this movie and knowing that that's Viola Davis and wanting her to see more, I think that role could have been fleshed out and maybe gave a little juicier. I don't know how you would do that, but I think Viola Davis is sorely underutilized here. Patricia Clarkson as Julianne Moore's friend of Eleanor Fine, uh, plays her role really well. Uh, I enjoy seeing their their camaraderie with the, among each other, and seeing the how the the, the social breakdown um, between the community uh, plays off, and you can just feel for all involved uh, on the Julianne Moore side. That is in the um, and uh, Dennis Haysbert side of things. Uh, Dennis Quaid is fine in this movie. I think this is one of his better performances, uh, but you're really not really focused on him. You're really focused on Julianne Moore, and I think she really uh, drives this vehicle all the way to the bank here. And currently, actually, it's my number four film of 2002. I just updated this my top ten list from that year recently because of uh, the movie that we deep dove a couple weeks ago called 25th Hour, The Spike Leak. Spike Lee joint but currently as of now this is my number four film of uh, 2002 I I would also say this is a fringe top 100 movie I guess I would if we redo that this could possibly make it it's really amazing breathtaking film but Far From Heaven will fall, fall at number four currently right behind 25th hour and right before Catch Me If You Can so my updated top 10 list of 2002 is Minority Report Spirit Away 25th Hour Far From Heaven Catch Me If You Can Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Red Dragon, One Hour Photo, Gangs in New York, and Road to Perdition. It knocks out this film, and 23rd Hour, I guess, do knock out 8 Mile and Frida. Frida, I really like, too, Osama Hayek. But anyway, that is my thoughts on Far From Heaven. Really enjoyed that watching. Definitely see why Zach and Todd have it in their top 100. So let's move into a rewatch of a film I did uh, this week that came out in 2007. Jody, she looks great, huh? Yeah, she looks really good. Come on, you had five years to pull the trigger with Jody. You had plenty of reasons for calling it off. I think there's been a mistake because that's the kids' table. That's not the kids' table, that's the singles' table. Seriously, I had to kiss a few frogs before I met my prince. What if the guy who could never commit... Just the idea of marriage is just so permanent. ...finally took a chance. How did you get into environmental... research? Research. I wanted to do something that I really love. She's gorgeous, fun. She's a great person. At some point, you're just gonna have to close your eyes and jump. I've only known her for six weeks. (laughs) You should be thanking God that a woman this fantastic would even consider you. You may kiss the bride. Can you believe it? I finally took the plunge. I got the next three weeks off. We're road tripping it down to Cabo. You got a pretty good voice there. You're gonna be hearing a lot of it for the next 40 or 50 years. Yo, i tell you what I want. What I really, really want. So much your body, baby. Do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. <laughs> They're so cute, that's us in ten years. I hope it's more than ten years. They're <laughs> probably right. I'm really bad at math. Anything fast! Ah! Honey, come on! Had a, you snorted. That's how I got the deviated septum. You got me running, out that wasn't what you think it was. What? I didn't hear anything. So how's Lila? I'm telling you, the second we got married, it's like a switch flip. Oh, I love it! Ow. What's the matter Eddie you, little girl? She's a nightmare, Mac. <laughs> yeah. Go away! Wait, what? Are you serious? Alright, our last review of the episode is going to be of the 2007 film, The Heartbreak Kid. Now this movie is celebrating 15 years, and this is one that I was streaming through Hulu actually the other night, and it was my turn to pick the film and I was going through, I was just looking for something to watch, and I came across this movie, and I, I remember watching it way back, I believe into the early 2008 or late 2008, whatever the, the, that time frame was, so after it came out of the, the, the theatrical run, and I know I didn't really care for it, so I was like, okay, let's maybe watch it again, give it another shot, and uh, see if my taste changed for the good or the, for the best, uh, so I really went in with no expectations, now, that's kind of like some backstory to it, but uh, the Heartbreak Kid came out in two thousand seven, and it is directed by the Fairley Brothers. You now, the Fairley Brothers are a, a comedic duo of uh, directors, and they're, they've known they have their fingerprints stamped on several comedies. Uh, obviously, we have There's Something About Mary's really up there. Shallow how Kingpin. Uh, osmosis jones which is actually a very underrated live action animation film and i really enjoy that film quite a bit uh hall Pal- pass which is not a really good one uh dumb and dumber was what's uh a peter Fairley movie which is probably the most uh iconic Fairley brothers film i would say that and uh, there's something about mary uh and peter fairly also i guess is a synony- synonymous with uh Best Picture winner now, Green Book, uh, from a few years ago, which I didn't really care for, to be honest. It's just, um, yeah, not my cup of tea. I'll just put put it that way, to quote the great Spike Lee. Uh, But anyway, Heartbreak Kid uh, stars Ben Stiller and Malin Ackerman, Michelle Manaham, Jerry Stiller, and Rob Guthrie as well as Carlos Mancia and uh, Danny McBride shows up here and also which is the funniest thing my wife it always surprises me when she picks up um, finds people to, oh that person's from this uh, Stephanie Courtney a name you probably do not uh, know but you do know this lady she appears in this movie as Gail one of the uh, Michelle Monaghan's like cousins or like in their family but uh, if you don't know that name, uh, she's Flo from the Progressive Ads. She appears in this movie. That's just pretty cool. That's uh, probably my one of my favorite little things about this movie. But anyway, the Heartbreak Kid uh sees is uh, roughly the synopsis on letterbox is uh Eddie was at the 40-year-old confirmed bachelor finally says I do to the beautiful and sexy uh Lila. But during their honeymoon in Mexico, the woman of his dreams turns out to be the total nightmare. And the guy who could never pull the trigger realizes he jumped the gun. Uh, so, I do remember this premise watching this. I believe I checked this out from the library. And I really care for the comedy. Maybe because I'm not a huge Fairly Brothers. I, I like Dumb and Dumber, but I've only seen it like a, less than a handful of times. And it's fine. I think I'm a, more of a there's something about Mary fan. That's my favorite film from theirs, and that's about it. I, Shallow Howell's pretty decent, but uh, it's not a huge. Their economy doesn't really hit me. Uh, so anyway, rewatching it this time. I actually had a couple chuckles uh, at the beginning, some couple laughs at the beginning of the movie, and that's mostly from Rob uh, Guthrie, uh, his character. I thought he uh, plays Mac in this movie. And he has a real fun relationship with um, uh, Ben Stiller's uh, Eddie character. Now, the... Th- the things I liked about the movie, uh, the credits were amazing. <laughs> uh, but no, Rob Gugger's character. I think uh, he plays this, this friend of Eddie and he's in this relationship that is, he's puts up the smiley face and happy wife, happy life guy. And it, it works. His comedy works for, it, and I really liked that, his parts, but that's, I, I don't know. I, I think what this movie tried to do, cause it was a remake of a 1972 film, I believe. Um, they try to have a premise where they can get Ben Stiller to go on vacation, do like an Adam Sandler thing before the grown-ups really was a uh, thing. But Ben, I, I don't know. Is Ben Stiller overrated? I, I I, don't know. He's he's good. He has some really good movies, like the Royal, Royal Tenenbaums*, which I haven't watched yet. Night at the Museum. I like Tropic Thunder. Walter Mitty is actually pretty decent. He's at his appearance. And Anchorman, I like Dodgeball. There's some really good roles, but there's some ones that where he's just like the focal point. I, I don't they don't connect with me, and a lot of this humor just was not uh, really good. The funnier parts were at the beginning of the movie, and then it just becomes a complete like uh, just unbearable watch. The characters are so unlikable. Every single one from Alan Ackerman's uh, Lila character, where she's this complete uh, just kind of wasted. She's completely sunburned most of the movie and just completely different than how she's set up. I'm not... uh, And then Ben Stiller's character is just super unlikable too. Obviously he's like gets married and immediately starts cheating and lying to this Michelle Monaghan's character. And Michelle Monaghan is pretty... is decent in this movie. She's probably the most enjoyable thing about the cast. Annie McBride's character is also rather funny. What's his name in here? Um... Where is it? Where is he? Where is he? Um, he plays cousin Martin. He's pretty funny. It, it, I actually do like Martin in this movie um, as uh, Botany McBride. Uh, but that's about it. I only hand less than a handful of things here. The, everybody in this cast just seems that they're just hamming it up, overdoing and trying to sell it. And I, I don't know if it's the Fairley brothers thinking this is just hilarious, but I don't. I can imagine going back in a time machine in two thousand seven and having anybody laugh at this movie. Like, it's a comedy where no one should laugh in the theater. Like, that's how bad it kind of plays. And my wife and I, my wife is a lot more forgiving in films than I am. And even she said, I hate this movie. <laughs> and she's absolutely right. I kind of really did hate it, too. And at the end of the movie, like, I, I don't care. I'm spoiling it. Like, he eventually does get divorced from Lila because, of course um, – they, it's revealed that obviously she's kind of cheating. He's cheating on them or whatever, and he doesn't end up with Michelle Monaghan right away. Uh, but it goes back to the island in Hawaii, and uh, then Michelle Monaghan shows back up because they go there every the island every year, and they decide oh we gonna meet up. And then apparently Eddie's character Ben Stiller's character is in another relationship, so he has to try to end that one as well. It's like. Because that, that gag really worked. And I just basically, at that time, was like, thank God the credits are here. It's, it's unbearable. I'm changing my rating for this movie. I had it at two stars for some reason. I think that's the most shocking revelation of this whole episode for me. is that It was a two-star film, Adam? Really? What are you thinking? I I must have did this right Like right when I became on this website. I must have just put some rankings. I was like, oh, yeah, two stars. What the hell? No. Uh, I, I think I'm agreeing with Todd. I, it's about a half-star movie. You know what? I'm gonna go worse. Than, it's a zero star film. I really don't like it. They, Danny McBride, Flo from Progressive, and Rob Gittner cannot save this movie. No, it's a zero star film. I'm sorry, guys. I, besides those three actors I mentioned, I really liked. I, I cannot recommend watching this movie. Do not watch the Heartbreak Kid. It is streaming though. Uh, what was did I watch it on? Hulu. Was it on Hulu? Regardless, it's garbage. It, it streams. It's streaming at a uh, waste management. That's where it should be. Streaming it, uh, but anyway, The Harper Kid. I, I wanted to talk about uh, some anniversary films. I'll probably be doing that some more, but yeah, this was not a fun watch. I may do this the segment a little bit in the in the past, in the future. Who knows? But anyway, let's move on to our final thing, and that is the wheel of uh, blind spots, the blind spot wheel. Let's go over there now. So we are back here with the blind spot mystery wheel where I put a bunch of years that are all celebrating anniversaries dating back all the way to 1982 uh ranging from 1982 87 92 97 2002 2007 2012 2017 and also big blind spots are on there movies that are major oversights in my uh, watching uh, library filmography that I haven't watched yet. And also Steven Spielberg. I want to get back into the Spielberg reviews because there's some blind spots there I haven't seen of his that aren't celebrating anniversaries and also some big ones that I just want to talk about again. I want to talk about Jaws. That's what I haven't talked about yet. Anyway, uh, anyway, let's go in here and spin the wheel to see what uh, year we are going to be uh, looking at. Here we go. Click the spin. Shuffled it up. Hope we get something good. All right. Yeah, okay, there we go. Okay, I can dig it. We have... The year is 1992. We're going to back to 1992. And uh, let's go see. Let's put some movies in. Let's put at least 10 movies in this list, and we'll see what it is. All right, so I got about 11 films from 1992 that I have put on. I Obviously, I put on a bunch of like Oscar-nominated stuff, but also some just random ones that I do want to see from 1992. So a lot of stuff... It may not appear on this list, and who, who knows if I get ninety-two again, there'll probably be different ones I put on. But anyway, these this current batch of eleven, I have Malcolm. No, I have Chaplin. A river runs through it. Malcolm X. Death becomes her. Mr. Baseball. Scent of a Woman. Unforgiven. Under Siege. Patriot Game. The Patriots Games. The Crying Game. And Basic Instinct. I haven't seen any of those films. Uh, there's a couple of ones, obviously, I don't really want to see. Basic Instinct is what I'm hoping we get right now. Son of a Woman, Under Siege, which is a Steven Seagal Oscar-nominated film. Uh, Patriot Games is Harrison Ford. Got to, got to watch that one. Um, and Death uh, no, 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 Unforgiven is another one that I definitely is like, why haven't I seen that one? Uh, so and speaking of Spike Lee, you got to go Malcolm X too. So anyway, uh, let's let's spin this guy. Let's go. I don't know which one it's gonna be. Oh yeah hell yeah oh i'm so stoked right now unforgiven is what i will be watching now unforgiven really excited for the next uh, uh next episode for unforgiven yep look forward to that guys anyway without further ado i hope you really enjoyed this episode we talked about some really awesome movies uh, and one that wasn't that so good but anyway really looking forward to unforgiven and who knows we might throw in some other movies celebrating anniversaries some other movies i just definitely want to talk about with you guys that are celebrating stuff that the means to close to my heart so anyway really looking forward to it until next time i will talk to you guys in the next one see you later